Welcome to the Hard Truth with TMJ News. I'm Zaina Wright. Bangladesh joins South Africa's genocide historic case against Israel. Yemen's Ansarullah strike U.S.-bound ship for Israel as they continue their maritime war in the Red Sea. Tunnels are discovered under a Brooklyn Jewish Chabad synagogue. 400,000 Americans march in D.C. for Palestine. And we have a special guest joining us today to talk about Ann Arbor passing a ceasefire resolution in multiple city hall meetings called by residents and constituents. There's lots to talk about as we explore these topics extensively. I'm Zaina Wright. Welcome to The Hard Truths. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Zaina Wright. Welcome to The Hard Truths with TMJ News. So much has been happening, and it's only right that we have this space to have important conversations and keep you updated on what's unfolding. South Africa laid out its case against the Israeli occupation on Thursday, January 11th, calling on the International Court of Justice to stop the unfolding genocide in Gaza. Bangladesh, Colombia, Brazil, and the Arab League have all joined in their support for the case which many say is only achieving a formality. Mainstream media and leaders here in the West have chosen to ignore this historic case, suggesting that a mass gag order is in place in airing court proceedings to the masses. In the little that they have managed to talk about, they've painted Israel as the victim here. The case itself demands an immediate suspension of aerial and ground assault on Gaza, which has now killed more than 23,000 people in occupied Palestine in more than a hundred days of war on the besieged Gaza Strip. It cites genocidal intent in its detailed 84-page paper that was submitted to the case last year. As the U.S. maintains its chokehold on the United Nations, it's really hard to say what exactly this case will achieve. Yemen's Ansarullah struck a U.S. ship bound for Israel in the Red Sea. The vessel was a bulk carrier with the flag of the Marshall Islands, U.S. Central Command confirms. Yemen's naval forces have also confirmed the operations and say their maritime war will continue until the U.S.-backed Israeli war and siege on Gaza ends. The U.S. and the U.K. have unanimously attacked Yemeni positions against Yemen's coastline, in addition to striking the country's capital, Sana'a. But there are no signs of the Yemenis slowing down. In fact, the naval war waged by Ansarullah in solidarity with Palestine has raised shipping prices by 173%, following Western shipping companies rerouting around the southern tip of Africa. Companies such as Tesla and Volvo have suspended their production lines in Europe due to these high costs of shipping delays. What's interesting is that no casualties were reported on this U.S. ship attack, which suggests that the Ansarullah or in the West, known as the Houthis, aim to wage a coordinated economic war that refrains from targeting civilians, a picture much different than how Western media has long portrayed them. Speaking of labeling, media here in the West has effectively labeled and synonymized tunnels with the Palestinian resistance, which is why finding tunnels under the Brooklyn Chabad Synagogue, made by a group of Hasidic Jews, came to everyone's surprise. NYPD and a group of Jewish students were embroiled in chaos as a group attempted to fill discovered tunnels with cement. Upon investigating the tunnels, 
stained mattresses, clothing, and even high chairs were found. All have been sent to forensics for further analysis. More than 400,000 Americans across the U.S. flocked to the U.S. Capitol on Saturday, January 13th in a joint mission to demand President Joe Biden to call for a ceasefire in Gaza. What's more, many people were seen rallying around the cause of a free Palestine and to end the 76-year-old occupation of Palestine. According to the American Muslim Task Force for Palestine, the sheer numbers of people made it the largest protest of its kind since November 2023, which saw around 300,000 people. The significant increase in numbers suggests a shift in public opinion within the United States on the matter of occupied Palestine. The city of Ann Arbor unanimously passed a ceasefire resolution, but not after a lot of persistence. Let's take a look. Get us there. In our millions, we are all Palestinians. And that uses the propaganda. Has a lot more work to do. Now, to talk about what happened in Ann Arbor, one of the organizers of the coalition behind getting this motion passed, Anam, is now joining us here at The Hard Truth. Welcome, Anam. Thank you for joining us today, Anam. Uh, the case of uh, Ann Arbor has been very peculiar in that the motion did not pass immediately. Can you tell us more about that and what happened? Yeah, um, so we basically had a lot of different groups lobbying, you know, for different language. Obviously, this, um, I don't want to say conflict, this genocide has impacted a lot of different people um, in a lot of different ways. And so I think the board was having um, a very difficult time trying to accurately be able to convey the depths of everyone's pains, um, the depths of everyone's griefs, um, and doing their best to try and be as neutral and as inclusive as they could. Um, but there were issues with basically language. So if you said one thing, for example, there's another group of people that felt left out. If you said a different thing, then there's a different group of people who felt left out. Um, so it was a matter of trying to come to uh, a middle ground where everyone actually felt like they were included. Everyone felt like they were actually listened to and everyone felt like they were heard. Um, and the first time around, to be frank, there wasn't as much dialogue between the city council and all of the various different groups that are affected. Um, because the thing with Palestine is that, you know, uh, the fight for liberation is not just for Palestine, right? If the injustice against one is injustice against us all. Um, and I think that was not reflected in the first resolution. And so why did the first iteration of the proposed resolution not work? Just for that reason. It, it, didn't, it wasn't reflective of the community. Um, it, was, it contained more actively harmful language um, in terms of, for example, what was going on with what is currently still going on at the University of Michigan with the students. Um, it didn't include doxing. For example, it didn't include a lot of the context of the history of Palestine. Um, and so there was just a lot that was left to be said, right? So you're left with the choice of either, you know, you're overly inclusive, which sometimes makes resolutions a little bit more convoluted and defeats kind of the purpose for which they're created. Um, or you kind of go back to the drawing board 
and that's basically what happened um, was, you know, we reached out to council and said, we're working with Jewish Voice for Peace. We're working with the Tahrir Coalition. We're actively in communication with members of the larger community, including Palestinians, um, because quite frankly, yes, this isn't, this impacts everyone's liberation, um, but those who are impacted the most are the Jewish community and the Palestinian community. And that includes Palestinian Christians, Jews, and Muslims. And from what I understand, you know, this is the community coming out again and again to get this resolution passed. Um, do you think that this is the cause for it finally happening? Yeah, absolutely. We approached the council and we told them we have all these different communities that feel this way, that feel strongly. Your constituents are being impacted. And quite frankly, we didn't let down. Um, we made sure that line of dialogue remained open and we're quite frankly, very, very thankful, um, especially to Aisha Ghazi Edwin um, and Erica Briggs in particular for keeping that line of communication open, to listening to concerns, um, to actively working and understanding how their students felt, right? Um, and making sure that that language was reflected in the new resolution, the new iteration. Um, and that included basically saying, okay, what do you consider actively harmful? What kind of language is not acceptable to your community? And so um, working very closely with council is something that, you know, opening that dialogue and actually having them understand the pains and concerns of their community. And, uh, you know, a lot of people would ask, why is it important for a city like Ann Arbor and any other city to get such a resolution passed? What is the long term impact of this? And so the reason that we go to local government is one, um, you know, people put a lot of stake at you know, presidential elections and they, you know, don't vote at a local level, but those are the people that directly represent and impact your day-to-day -day life, right? Um, additionally, at this point, we're, I think, 100, 101 days in into, a, into the genocide that our tax dollars are actively paying for. Um, and so to say that this doesn't directly impact us is, is completely wrong. But on top of that, you know, Unfortunately, our higher levels of government have failed us. And so that's where the grassroots campaign comes in, that we're starting from the ground up. We're showing, uh, for example, our representative is Debbie Dingle, right? And we're showing her that this is how your constituents feel. One by one, there are city, city after city, Canton Township, Dearborn, Detroit, Dearborn Heights, Hamtramck, now Ann Arbor, um, are passing ceasefire resolutions. This is how your constituents feel. And we are leaving them with no choice but to properly and accurately represent us uh, to the White House. Thank you so much, Anam, for joining us today. Thank you for joining us on The Hard Truth. We are TMJ News. Follow us on socials and subscribe to our exclusive Friday newsletter. I'll see you next time.